Let's uh, turn in our Bibles to Genesis 21. Once again, the book of Genesis. We'll be reading verses 1 through 21. Hear God's holy word, Genesis 21, 1 through 21. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar putting it on her shoulder, along with the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bowshot, She said, Let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? 
Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, and I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Amen. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Well, these last few chapters that we've been uh, looking at here in Genesis have been um, sad ones. Lots of sadness. Uh, The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot's disgrace with his daughters. Then Abraham's, Abraham's lapse in faith with his wife passing her off as a sister again. But here we have some good news in Genesis 21, some very good news, the birth of Isaac, finally, this long-awaited birth. They'd waited so long, uh, for so many years, hoping against hope, and finally, this day comes, the long-awaited birth of this promised child who was to be named Isaac, which means laughter. And this was a time for laughter, an occasion for, for laughter, uh, rejoicing, happy laughter at the, the joy of what God had done, God's miraculous working, keeping his promise, no less, bringing this child into the world. This is an occasion of uh, great joy. But we also see another kind of laughter in this chapter, not just that happy laughter, but another kind that seems to bring great dissension and division to this family. First, though, it's a happy note uh, as the chapter opens. Sarah and Abraham have this miracle baby laughter. No birth had ever occurred like this before. Uh, Just imagine the excitement in the camp as um, the day was drawing near for this uh, during the pregnancy of Sarah. Just imagine this 90-year-old woman in her pregnancy, in her third trimester. Uh, It must have been uh, just uh, quite a time in that camp uh, filled with uh, cries of delight as Uh, The cries of this baby were heard for the first time. Imagine many people just wondered if it was even possible, if it could even come to fruition, if that baby would even make it to uh, that day of its birth. But don't miss the real message here. When this baby was born, it's about God. God kept his word. He kept his promise. That's what this event really is about. 
God is always faithful to his word. We see that highlighted in the opening verses here. Three times in the uh, first two verses, God's faithfulness is highlighted for us to see. Read those again. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken. Three references to God's promise. And those are there, stacked up like that, because God is highlighting for us his great faithfulness. He wants us to hear this. He wants us to take it to heart and really believe in his faithfulness. We need to do that. Whatever God says in his word is going to come to pass. If he makes a promise, you can count on it. It's as good as done, even if it hasn't been done yet. If it hasn't happened yet, it will. There's no possibility of the contrary. God's word cannot fail. And that's a great comfort for us. It should be. We can put our full faith in everything that God says. And we have so much that he said. We have his great and precious promises all through the scriptures. We can read them. We can take them to heart, meditate on them, cherish them. And we should. That's the kind of people we should be, people of God's word, people who put all our confidence in what God has spoken. And his words should fill our hearts with joy and with rock-solid hope for the future. God has promised such good things for his people, and he will bring them to pass. He has an eternity of grace and glory stored up for us. And he's promised these things to us. And he will deliver. We see the child's name here. We need to think about that a little bit. The name Isaac is uh, uh, a name that recalls the... Um, not so great response of both parents when they heard what God intended to do. God made that outlandish, incredible promise to them that he's going to give them this child. And over and over, he made this promise and restated it. And they laughed when they heard it because it was unbelievable. It was too good to be true in their uh, old age, both of them, very old. But here they are now. They're in the mom and dad club. They're laughing and in a different way. You see it in verses 6 and 7. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me and now everyone will laugh over me. I have to think she was laughing, laughing with joy. And she says, who would have thought that 
Abraham and I would have this child, that we would be nursing a child, and yet I've borne this child to him in my old age. In those days, a woman who was childless bore reproach. She might have been laughed at by the women around her for not being able to have a child. Now the only laughter being heard is a good laughter, a wonderful, rejoicing laughter over God's wonderful, amazing work that he's done, showing his faithfulness this way. Think about what God had done here. That statement, nothing is impossible with God, comes to mind. That's so true. Of course, God cannot do certain things. He cannot do things that are not in keeping with his own character. That pretty much sums it up. That's all he can't do. He's not going to do something that is against who he is, his nature, his character, his will. But that's also why it's impossible for God not to keep his word, because he is faithful. That is one of his perfections. And he has to be faithful to his word. Not like us, where we'll sometimes turn around and break our word and break our vows. He will be utterly trustworthy. So even when everything around us would make us want to doubt God's faithfulness, everything to our senses might make us think, no way, he's not going to uh, be faithful in this or that thing. Uh, We should always trust in him. Because he will be faithful to all that he's spoken You know, we've got problems in our lives that make it hard at times to trust the Lord. This story is a a great reminder for us that our God does not fail in his faithfulness. This was a great trial that they dealt with in needing to believe God for this promise that he made. But he was faithful, and the faithfulness of God for us, is still the one thing that we can count on. We can count on him. He is altogether faithful and to be trusted. Well, it was a happy occasion at Isaac's birth, but soon uh, it wasn't as happy anymore. Sadness uh, followed. As we get to verse 8, Time has passed, about three years after the birth, and that's the traditional time for the weaning of a child. So Isaac was probably around three, and Ishmael uh, is thought to have been around 16. And there had been peace uh, between Sarah and Hagar. I'm sure they weren't uh, best friends, but uh, here tensions flared up again. And uh, this just just wasn't a matter of the older child uh, acting up and uh, being jealous of the younger child, getting all the attention on this occasion. 
know how that can happen as well, but it seems there was more to it than that. Ishmael was old enough to know that uh, he's not going to be the heir anymore. This other child has displaced him. And at this feast, for whatever reason, it's at the occasion of this feast, Sarah sees Ishmael laughing at Isaac. And the idea seems to be that he was mocking him. He was ridiculing him. One commentator writes, The prospects and expectations of Ishmael were shattered. He had grown to a, a, a youthful vigor, confident that he would be the heir, that he would inherit great wealth and the power of his father. But now the true heir has appeared. Ishmael is moved to hatred for Isaac. Proud and impetuous, he does not conceal his feelings. And Sarah saw it. She saw Ishmael mocking Isaac. And maybe this wasn't the first time. Maybe this had gone on for some time, but here she sees it and she'd seen enough. So she says to Abraham, cast out this slave woman and her son. The son of this slave woman will not be heir with my son, Isaac. You can understand that. Uh, mother's feelings. Sarah was certainly right to take issue with Ishmael's behavior. She was right to say something and to want to put a stop to his cruel uh, behavior to her son. But sadly, she doesn't seem to show any concern at all for his life or his mother's life. She just wants them out. Out and now. And this was Abraham's son. So it does seem harsh, but something was also very right about it, very right about her words. These are not just the words of an angry, uh, protective mama. There's more than that going on here. Her words reflect God's words. God told Abraham, Ishmael will not be your heir. Isaac was God's choice to be Abraham's physical heir and, more importantly, his spiritual heir as the child of the covenant. Now, this conflict didn't stop here either. It seems to have ended here, at least for the time being, but it did not. It goes on throughout history, this conflict between these two these two sons of Abraham. Psalm 83 tells us that Ishmael's descendants became enemies of God's people, Israel. The psalmist writes in Psalm 83, verse 4 through 6, 
They say, come, let us wipe them out as a nation. These are the enemies speaking of Israel. Let the name of Israel be remembered no more. They conspire with one accord. Against you they make a covenant. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites. So this animosity continued. Ishmael, we could say, went on persecuting Isaac in this way through their descendants. And this is that conflict of the two seeds. Behind this is that spiritual conflict between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. That spiritual conflict. It's the devil and his people trying to destroy the people of God. Trying to destroy the Savior, really, who would come through the line of Isaac. In Galatians 4, Paul has some uh, interesting things to say, too, about this conflict. He makes an interesting connection that I don't know that we would make if it wasn't for God's Spirit inspiring it. Makes a connection between Ishmael and unbelieving Judaism. The Jewish people that rejected Christ and the persecution that was going on in the early church by the Jews. Paul says the slave woman Hagar corresponds to present-day Jerusalem with her children. In other words, unbelieving Jews. They wouldn't have liked to have heard that. They're saying Hagar, the slave woman, corresponds to unbelieving Judaism. Paul says the Jews who rejected Christ are slaves. They're in the slavery of unbelief. But Isaac, on the other hand, corresponds to the heavenly Jerusalem, which is the kingdom of God, the church. The church is the earthly manifestation of God's kingdom now. Speaking to believers in Christ, Paul says there in uh, Galatians 4, verse 28, he says, Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of the promise. Just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so it is now. He who was born according to the flesh, Ishmael, persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit. Paul, by the inspiration of God's Spirit, calls it persecution, what Ishmael did on this occasion to Isaac. He persecuted him. And he says, so it is now, Paul says. It's just like that today. The Jews may be the physical offspring of Isaac, but spiritually they are not offspring at all. They're not even related. They're cut off. In fact, they are the slaves. Just like Hagar and Ishmael were slaves. 
It's just like when Ishmael persecuted Isaac. The enslaved Jewish unbelievers were now persecuting the church, those who trusted in Christ, those who were the true children of the promise, believers in Christ. Isn't that beautiful? It's a little hard to follow, but it's beautiful. We are those children of the promise in Christ. We've been grafted in to the people of God. Paul continues, he's quoting Sarah's words there. He says, but what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. And Paul continues, he says, so brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. So he's saying... Listen, ethnic Israel, the Jewish people, according to the flesh, are not to be identified as the people of God any longer. No, the people of God now, the true seed of Abraham, it's Christ and those who belong to Christ, those who are in Christ by faith. We are the true people of God now. people of Israel rejected Christ, but he is now the Savior of all who will trust in him, of all those who are from Israel and those who are from the nations. He makes every believer a true child of Abraham and a true child of God. That is very good news, very good news for us all. Coming back to our passage in verses 11 through 14, we see that Abraham was, was not happy. He's upset about his wife's plan, his wife's desire to send Ishmael away. He is uh, very displeased by this. But God said to him, Be not displeased because of the boy, because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do. For through Isaac, your offspring shall be named. Sarah's plan was harsh. There's no getting around that. It was very harsh. We might might say it was downright uh, bad. At least humanly speaking. Putting out this woman and her son into the wilderness. But this is ultimately God's plan. And he was going to turn this all around for great good. God said, do what she wants, Abraham, and trust me to take care of your son and his mother. So here again, God is doing what he's been doing all along, calling Abraham to trust him. He's also making a clear statement, though, about his covenant. He promises he's going to bless Ishmael as well. 
but his covenant is going to be with Isaac. And that's God's choice. God's sovereign choice. God is the one who chooses the people that he will bring into a covenant relationship with himself. It's not a matter of the will of man or certainly not of a matter of physical descent. That has nothing to do with it. It is God's sovereign choice. And that's what brings this separation here between these two seeds. And it's a separation that still exists today between believers and the world, between us who belong to Christ and the world that rejects Christ. And we need to be thankful for that, that separation. Without it, we would be on the other side. We would all be lost if God had not brought that separation. That separation is done by his choosing and calling us out of the world. We would all be lost without that wonderful work that God has done. Well, Abraham obeyed. He uh, wasn't happy about it, but he did what his wife wanted at the Lord's behest. And he takes water and bread and supplies uh, just this uh, small amount to Hagar, gives it to her and sends her and the boy away. It must have been a hard, a hard thing. It must have been a heartbreaking goodbye. Hard to imagine doing this. Giving up his boy. Abraham loved this boy. He was ready for this boy to be it. Lord, he wanted Ishmael to walk before the Lord. He wanted the Lord to give his promises bring them to realization through this boy. And now he was sending him out. He would never see him again. Sending him out into the dangerous wilderness. And chances are, if it was up to chances, they were going off to their death. That must have weighed on Abraham. But again, he trusted in the Lord. God had called him to trust in him against all odds, against what he thought would uh, very well happen. He trusted God to take care of them. And he had God's promise. God said, I will make a great nation out of your son. And so he obeyed and he sent them away. And then again, we see God's faithfulness as the passage continues. Hagar and Ishmael, they went out and they soon ran out of water and they're about to die. And Hagar puts her boy into the shade of a bush of some kind and she walks away. Probably he'd become faint and she lays him there. And she walked away and sat down and cried because she didn't want to watch him die, but she fully expected that's what was going to happen. 
And just then God provided. Just as he promised, he faithfully came through. He kept his word. That's what this is all about. Not just a neat story. This is all about God's faithfulness. This angel calls to Hagar. He calms her fears. Then he speaks this great promise of God for the boy. I will make him into a great nation. And then he shows her this well of water that uh, must have been right nearby, and they're saved. Their lives are saved, and and we have this last statement. God was with the boy, and he grew up, and he lived in the wilderness, and so on. And his mother took a wife for him from Egypt. So God was faithful, and God took care of the boy. He grew up to, a, to be a man and lived a life under God's great blessing, great temporal blessings, earthly blessings that God lavished on uh, this man and his offspring, but blessings that he enjoyed apart from Abraham and Isaac and the blessings of the covenant. And now coming back to Abraham, Abraham is, is without this boy in his life. And by God's doing, Abraham is going to have his mind focused entirely now on God's promises that would come to realization through Isaac. And this sets the stage for what's coming next. This was a a trial that Abraham has just endured here in this chapter, this uh, being called to give up his son and send him away. I think this is preparation for what is coming next in the next chapter, in chapter 22, that familiar chapter when God is going to call Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. The loss of Ishmael makes that test even harder, think about that, even more agonizing uh, for Abraham to go through that test that God's going to give to him. Abraham's not going to be able to to think to himself, hey, I've got Ishmael to fall back on if the Lord takes Isaac. The Lord really has me put Isaac to death. There's always Ishmael. Ishmael's gone. And so that will be a test of Abraham's faith like he'd never faced before. Again, he'll be faced with a decision of whether or not to trust God's word. Am I really going to believe God? Am I really going to believe that he's faithful? That he'll keep his word? And it seems in order to build up Abraham's faith, like that. And for that event, for that test, God had to give him this test. He takes Ishmael away. One writer comments on this and he puts it this way, because God loves us. He draws our hearts away from anything that might separate us from him or compromise our trust in him. And his promises. 
That is true, isn't it? He does that. And it's, it's a mercy when he does that, when he takes things away from us like that. And when he does that, let's remember that he's doing it in love. He loves us. And if he takes anything away from us, it's because he wants us to enjoy his blessings and fellowship with him to the fullest. He wants us to trust in him more. He wants us to be more and more fruitful. Of course, in the New Testament, we see Jesus talking about that, how God prunes us. But he only prunes us so that we can be more fruitful, so that we can be healthier, so that we can be more what we were meant to be and do the things that he wants us to do. And I'm quite certain he does that, again, so that he can draw us closer to himself, draw us into nearer fellowship with the Lord. He will do that in your life if you're his child. And it will probably hurt that pruning process. So it's important to remember that he does it in love and that his ways are always right and they're always best. Remember that he is perfect in all his works and he's completely faithful and trustworthy. So let's trust him no matter what. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, our God, it is hard to walk by faith in this world. Uh, it's hard to walk trusting in you uh, with the losses and the crosses that we bear at times in this life, but help us. Help us to walk in the light of your word. Help us to believe that you are altogether faithful, perfectly faithful, and perfectly worthy of all our trust. And so for us to trust in you, no matter what is coming our way in life, is never foolish. It is always right, always good. So strengthen our faith, we pray, and help us to trust in you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.